Hi, everyone, and welcome to IC Data People. And we're glad to be joined by Mark Fleming-Williams, the host of the Alternative Data Podcast. And some of you may not know that before he started this podcast, Mark was actually writing articles in Forbes. He was also the communication director at Exabel and recently turned to the buy side. Mark, it's awesome to have, to have you here. Awesome to be here. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Let's start and let's go back to 2020 when you launched the first episode of the Alternative Data Podcast. What led you to do it? What led you to start the podcast? Well, I was, I'd just done a master's in big data in Madrid and then had been trapped in my apartment by COVID in Madrid. And I'd managed to escape there and come back to London. And I landed in London knowing that I wanted to get into alternative data. I knew it was a space that, that combined a lot of my interests. I knew it was, you know, where I wanted to be, but I didn't know anyone or, or to be honest, that much about it. And so usually what I do when I want to know about something is I go and try and listen to podcasts on it. And I found there really wasn't very many podcasts. And so I had an epiphany in the shower that why didn't I do the podcast? And actually it was, it was the, it was a gap that needed filling in the market. It was a, it was something which I would learn at the same time. It was the idea that I would give something to the space at the same time and then hopefully get something back, which was, which was get myself a job. I mean, building the network as well might, might help with getting a job too. So it was this kind of, um, it was a solution which really just seemed to fit. And it was, it was, it was a bizarre thing because sometimes it hasn't happened that, that often in my life, but sometimes when you know you're on the right path, because it's just so easy to follow the path, you know, I mean, podcasting technology had been around for 20 years, so that was all very easy. Getting guests was weirdly easy, given that I was just a a guy, you know, and with a cartoon, essentially the cartoon was there. Once you got that, then everyone takes you seriously. Um, but so getting there and I started with Saeed, I mean, who just, who had read the book of alternative data. So that was a, that was an easy start. So, and then that I suppose gave it credibility of some sort. And then I was off, you know, and, and it has been, it's been, as you say, it's been two and a half years of the alternative data podcast. I've done 117 episodes or something. And it's been, one, again, one of those things where it's just been really easy and fun as well and productive and people tell me it's useful. So it's one of those things kind of stumbled into this, this great, you know, stroke of luck, really, I, I feel. Mark, you know, both Omri and I have been guests on the Alternative Data podcast. And, uh, you know, obviously you've had a lot of other industry leaders on, on the podcast. How has your definition of what constitutes alternative data changed or evolved in, in the three years you've been doing this? So alternative data, what I have long said is alternative data is, is everything, all types of data that you won't find on a Bloomberg terminal. But that is becoming problematic because Bloomberg is getting increased, ever, ever more acquisitive of getting data on their terminals. So that's that's drying up as a, as a definition. I feel like there is a push, there has been a push against alternative data as a phrase, partly because it is, it sounds a little bit like it's weird data or kind of like whatever, you know, alternative facts or whatever, you know, it's, it sounds a, a bit kind of edgy or dark, but also it, it is really used by the financial industry, alternative data as a phrase. And, and so external data is the alternative phrase, which is much more holistic. And we're talking about the same data. And so, so external data is perhaps the more inclusive term for alternative data. This doesn't suit 
doesn't help me with my podcast, to be honest. Somebody needs to create the external data podcast soon, I think, to be a, to be a rival. Maybe I should, I should pivot. But, but I don't know, broadly, I do think, I do, so the conversation which has been going on for, for, for years is, you know, when will alternative data just become data? But so I'm now in data sourcing for a living for a, a quantitative hedge fund called CFM. I don't hear the word alternative data that often. I do. I just tend to hear data, really. It's it's alternative data feels maybe like it's it's beginning to outlive its usefulness as a as a phrase. It is it is just becoming data. You know, there are there are and you need you need alternative data to invest. So yeah, why is it alternative? Why isn't it just data? I, I'm I'm coming around. I've realized while giving this answer. So you alluded to this in your answer, but you're now on the buy side. You were previously on the sell side. Before that, you were you were a journalist. I, I'm curious how those different roles, those different perspectives, have have changed as you've really you know evolved with the industry. So how have these roles given you a unique perspective? So I wasn't a journalist. I was a geopolitical intelligence analyst. And the difference is that a journalist reports what's going on. And hopefully a geopolitical intelligence analyst is somebody who kind of connects the dots a little bit more and builds a picture of and 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 also it's 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 prediction as well. It's it's got a forecasting aspect. But but so my roles, my geopolitical was wonderfully useful for for helping me understand how the world fits together and, and gave me all sorts of kind of background knowledge. I'm not sure it was a wonderful grounding for this specific question though on alternative data i think the so my roles which have been most relevant are the the podcast which has given me this wonderful ability to uh, kind of just be part of the community essentially alternative data is this is this very enclosed space where a lot of people know a lot of people you'll see a lot of familiar faces if you go to an alternative data conference it's you know it's a good thing and a bad thing actually because it suggests that it hasn't you know it's a, it's still an enclosed world in that, but it's, there's a, there's a great sense of community and, and, and somehow information does get around it, even though there aren't that many channels like the podcast, it does, uh, the information does get around it. So that's the first thing is to, to how the podcast has shown me how deeply connected everything is. My experience at Exabel, which was a, which is an alternative data platform based out of Oslo was I was incredibly impressed with just the quality of people actually in the in the who were who were being hired and who were who were moving around in this space and just the the high quality of intelligence and and also kind of humaneness and humanity and so yeah so I was I was I was extremely impressed with how impressive everyone is the perspective that CFM has given me or being on the buy side has given me is is it's incredibly how nice everyone is suddenly it is it's very very nice to me and it's and it's bad you feel like a kind of you know you feel like a supermodel or or member of the royal family I was saying this week to someone because you don't know are they being nice to me because I'm great or are they being nice to me because because of that so so again it's a mixed blessing but but no so it's alternative data is essentially it's the future it's it's bringing it feels very vibrant and very exciting and and so all of the all of the different roles i've had in it have 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 shown that you've talked to many people in the industry and many data vendors what do you think is the most useful and interesting insights you've seen from data well 
So when I, when I go for a Hollywood data set, then I tend to reach for Helios Life, which is, I suppose, it's becoming familiar now to a lot of people. I think they're at, they're at South by Southwest at the moment, which is which just shows what a Hollywood data set they are. But they are the doing audio NLP essentially, so analyzing the tone of of earnings calls and and trying to discover if there's suppressed excitement in the in the CEO or investor relations person which shows that perhaps they know something that the market doesn't, that they're not saying. And, and so it's, it's wonderfully cutting edge to actually be analyzing the tone that we're used to the idea of analyzing the actual words themselves, but analyzing the tone is still feels very, um, it's, it's cutting edge. And, and during my masters of big data, that was kind of seen as the future. So it's, it was exciting for me to come across it actually in, in, in real time. So Mark, what a challenge is no one talking about in the alternative data industry. What's, what's the next thing around the corner here? So the challenge that nobody is talking about is an alternative data, and, and actually it's not necessarily the next thing around the corner, it's the thing which is right now, and it's and it, no, the reason no one's talking about it is because it's quite obscure, but it's something which which suddenly hit us as a, a data source myself, is, is this obscure law in the US around publicly traded partnerships, I don't know if you guys know about this, but it's a, it's a law which is which is defined by the US and it's a question and essentially investors need to find which of their stocks are under this law and which are not. And actually the challenge has been getting hold of the data which which tells you whether whether it's under the law or not. And there's a lot of stress involved because if it's if you're trading something which is under the law and you don't know it, then there could be repercussions. So this is a huge challenge at the moment in uh, in trading and find and it's data related in actually finding finding these data sets and and you know we've gone to yeah the, you 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 go to all the, all of the usual suspects to to provide this data and, and a lot of people are taken by surprise so that's the challenge that nobody's talking about at the moment very interesting and let's continue this line uh, what, what's your most controversial opinion so my most controversial opinion brace yourselves is that is jail time for people who charge money for trials i think charging money for trials to a quant fund is just shows a, a massive lack of business sense a complete misunderstanding of how the model works it is making it harder for us to 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 trial which ultimately makes it harder for us to get to the point where we're going to buy your data which is what everybody wants and it is essentially it's charging us for um walking into a shop and picking up a product and looking at it. And during that process, I don't know the brief education of the, of the, the quant method, but we study the history, the dead data, the historical data in order to extract a signal from it as long as possible. And then the, the, as long a history as possible. And then once we have found a signal, which is tradable, then we go and commit to buying the live data on an ongoing basis to trade that signal. So charging us for the trial, for looking at the history, is saying it's going to cost you to look at the product. It's it's just it just shows it shows naivety and it shows a kind of it it often shows that they're not used to dealing with with quant funds. But it is so frustrating. So that's my that's my controversial opinion. Lock them all up. All right. Well, aside from a bunch of data vendors being thrown in in jail. <laughs> What do you expect the biggest change to be in the, the alternative data industry or the data industry writ large 
over the next five well, years? Well, um, the Hollywood stuff at the moment and what everyone's focuses on is is chat GPT, obviously. And it's it's something which I don't think I don't think anyone really has got their heads around all the ways that it's going to change the data industry and every industry. It's already having having effects on in the in the hedge fund industry, which is in the news and and, and all sorts. So that is that's a huge nuclear weapon that's just exploded in this industry and the effects of it are, are still becoming clear. But I, as a result, I, I quite want to point at things which we might have forgotten. Well, so the Internet of Things is something which was discussed, I think, an awful lot two or three years ago. And I feel like we're still waiting on the data. I think I feel like it's we're still waiting on the data which is coming from the fridges and the and the toasters and the appliances and all the rest of Internet of Things. I feel like there's a there's a huge amount of data still to come from that. And then and then and I'll point again at also self-driving cars. It's something which we've been promised and nobody's talking about anymore. But there's a there's a huge amount of connected data which we've forgotten about really as a, as a kind of, as a, as a culture, I feel, which, which I want to, you know, and, and we never did get our, our, you know, we were pro- promised rocket packs, weren't we? Or, and, and hoverboards, we never did get them in the end, but I, I still want my, I still want my data out of my self-driving cars. So that's what I would, um, that's what I would point out. Mark, thank you very much. And I think summarizing what you said is about the connectivity of either IOT data, but actually most important thing is the people. So really great to have you here. Thank you very much and see you soon. Thank you very much for having me. 